the importance of the Word of God, but he also saw the importance of the house of God. He said that he could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It would be his request. It was his desire. I pray today we feel similar, that this place of worship is the best place we could ever be. Uh, you know, we have to go to a job. We have to go to the store. We have to go to the gas station. We don't have to go to the house of God. It's a privilege. We get to go to the house of God. I am so glad I get to go to the house of the Lord. It is my joy to be here today. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of the word of the Lord and honoring of his word? We want to go to the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter number 10. I'm going to like to read beginning at verse number 7 this morning. John chapter number 10, beginning at verse number 7 and reading down through verse 10. John 10, 7 through 10. So we'll give you a moment to get there this morning. I hear some pages turning, and we're going to give you the time to get there. Sometimes we forget, we just plunge on through. John 10, beginning verse 7, and it reads, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is what? A thief and a robber. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that have ever came before me are what? Oh, come on. A little help here. Thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man entereth in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Once again, verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it, how? More abundantly. Would you pray with me this morning? Precious Savior, once again, we come before you with honor and praise and thanksgiving. We ask of you, Lord, today that your hand would rest upon every heart and upon every soul, upon every mind today should be opened unto your precious word. I pray for a conviction, God, that will open the mind and the heart to receive of your word today. God, anoint this vessel, these lips of clay, to minister your word to your praise. We give all praises unto you today. We ask in Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. You may be seated. As far back to where history has been recorded, to the very origin of man, we can read about the thief. We can read about the thief. His despicable profession has always been and will continue till Jesus returns. Today, we want to topic our lesson this morning, Beware of the Thief. Beware of the thief. Once again, the profession of a thief, he, he does not care what others have toiled and worked and labored for their whole lives. He does not care what has been handed down by 
family members to a, another family member that means more than even money could ever mean. He does not care. What would be priceless to you and I, he would sell for a dollar if he could get something out of it. He does not care. He does not care what we value is important. The thief doesn't care. All the thief cares about is satisfying his own needs at someone else's expense. Beware of the thief. You know, sadly, the very first man and woman, they took what was forbidden by God. They certainly disobeyed, but by them taking of the forbidden, in essence, they had also stolen. It was not theirs to take. They were told not to partake, but they did. And technically, we know disobedience was number one, but number two, they stole. That was God's tree. Don't eat of this. You can eat of everything else in the garden that I've made, but not this, not this right here. The very first man and woman, disobedience, and they took what was forbidden of them to take. I love history. Anybody in here like history this morning? Some of you say, no, you can keep it. I love it. I do. I enjoy it. Guess it's a good thing being a preacher. Guess you better like history because you've got to study it all the time. The ancient Egyptians, they built pyramids as tombs for their pharaohs and their queens. They built these pyramids. We marvel today. They stand after all the thousands of years of erosion and so forth. Those great stones stand in perfect alignment, continuing on today. But one thing we notice about them is this. They were built to house their kings and queens. But many of them, when once they were uncovered in more modern times, they found once they uncovered them, they had empty tombs. They found out that the riches, the treasures... Brother David, that had once been there, were long gone. Someone, at some time, had got inside. They not only stole the riches of the kings and the queens, they went so far as even take the mummy, the body that had been wrapped. Many of the times, the reason they found out was these mummies were wrapped with gold amulets, jewels of all kinds, and so they wasn't satisfied just taking all the wealth that was on the outside. They even would open, open up the, the sarcophagus, if you will, and they would take that mummy out of there and unwrap that mummy and take all the riches and no doubt discarding the skeleton. And we think about such things. How could someone do something so cruel, disgusting, immoral, I don't know, we could think of so many words to describe this, but they have, and the tragedy is, Brother Wolves are still doing it. It's not just something of old, it's the present day. The thief is still doing what he does. He's taking what is not his. He is going where he should not go and doing what he should not do. And so we know that from history that these pharaohs decided we can't keep them out. We've got to try another method. So there's a city called Thebes. And that's not Thebes. I'm trying to pronounce it better. Thebes with a B, T-H-E-B-E-S, I believe. Thebes, a city 
called Thebes, that the ancient pharaohs way out in the desert, they began to hide their riches and wealth in this fortified place, but even that could not keep out the thieves. Many of these that have been uncovered today, they have found a lot of them too have been looted, and they have been removed of the wealth and the riches there. You see, because the thief not only has no regard or no respect, he has no rules, he, he has no ethic about him, his idea is an easy gain and a great gain at someone else's expense. That's why we've got to be careful of the thief. We must be careful of the thief. The law of Moses in Exodus chapter number 22, verses 2 and 3. I want to kind of bring this in today, if we may. In fact, I want to read down. I'm going to read 1 through 4. We're just going to read 1 through 4, Brother Joel, if you would. I want to read this because I believe we can kind of get an idea about the law of Moses and God's feeling. We know of the commands. God said, thou shall not steal. Listen to the law recorded in Exodus 22, verse number 1. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Verse 2, if a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die. In other words, he's breaking in. He's, he's destroying someone's locked, uh, housed possession. If he be found breaking up and smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. You know, the Bible talks about how that when you kill, when you kill, in the Old Testament times, there were cities of refuge that the avenger, would be able, the, 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 the one who killed by accident would be able, able to go and flee. The avenger of blood could not get them as long as they stayed in the city of refuge. But we're reading here something very, uh, wow. I mean, in other words, if this seat breaks in and you, uh, you take him out in the Old Testament law, his blood's on his own head. He shouldn't have been breaking into your stuff. He shouldn't have been getting into your place. And so the word of God said he be smitten and he die. There shall no blood be shed for him. Verse 3, if the sun be risen upon him. Now, he survives the beating you gave him. The club that you hit him with. You thought you took him out, but he woke up. Okay, I'm just giving some illustration. I know this sounds rough, but babe, stay with me. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. It says there shall, wait a minute, let me get this right here. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. For he should make full, what? Restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold. He's going to become a slave for what he's done for his theft. Verse 4 said, If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. Double. Now I said, read all this to build a base here, how God feels about theft. How God feels about theft. Now, if I asked every one of you privately, some of you would probably openly expose your feeling. We're not going to do that today just because. But if I asked many of you, you'd probably say, well, if I caught a thief, he would get probably just what God was coming to him. He would either get led 
or a club on the head or something, and you would probably express your feelings. And we all have our feelings about a thief. The Word of God is pointed to how God feels about it. He said, thou shalt not steal. He said, thou shalt not steal. But of course, we know the sad truth. Not everybody's going to obey the law, are they? Never has, never will. And it seems like no matter what kind of penalties that are laid upon them, they continue to do what they know is not right. Proverbs said this, Proverbs 29, verse number 24, Whoso is partner with a thief hateth his own soul. And I pondered those words. What in the world could Solomon meant? What, when he declared this, what did he mean? It finished by saying, He heareth cursing, and bewareth it not. He bewareth it not. He said, He hateth his own soul. I think we get an illustration of just what that means. In fact, we can read in Matthew 27, verse 38, we can read about there were two men, one on each side of Christ. Matthew tells us in Matthew 27, 38, you see, he hates his own soul because he's inviting his death. Because in that day, that was your sentence. They didn't play games. I am told in modern Turkey that when a person steals, a finger is removed. Or sometimes they go directly to the whole hand. They don't play games. So when you see someone missing a finger or hand, well, you kind of know what they've done. There's no way to lie out of it, no matter how they may try. But we know the Word of God tells us here, verse 38 of 27 of Matthew, then were there two thieves crucified with him, the one on the right hand and the one on the left. They were being crucified because they had stolen. The law was pretty plain. You steal, you die. They were being crucified for theft. The apostle Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, beginning of verse number 9. Reading down to verse 11, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Verse 10, nor thieves. There it is. They're not going to make it to heaven. They continue in their sin, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I love verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Going back to those thieves on the cross, Remember, this was still Old Testament law. Jesus being reviled by one of the thieves. If you say you are who you say you are, you're Christ, you're the uh, Messiah, you're the King of Kings. Well, if you got the power, you say, why don't you just say something and get us off this cross? Why don't you just deliver us from here? But the other one says, hey, he just shuts him down. 
We deserve to be where we are for what we've done. This man is innocent. He has done no wrong, and he's hanging here. In other words, that other thief said, you just shut your mouth. We're getting what we deserve justly, but he is not deserving of what he is getting. And then I love what the thief said. You know, God can save to the very end. He said to that other thief, as the thief responded, and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I love how the, our Lord Jesus said to him today. He didn't say maybe in the future. He didn't say there was no such thing, and I, I'm just going to throw this out there. There's no such thing as purgatory. I, I, when, when you fall the way you fall, that's the way you're going to be resurrected. You better get it right now. That's a man-made tradition. It's not in our Bible. But, but, Jesus said to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He had, remember, power to forgive sins as well as to heal. As he healed some, he said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Take up thy bed and walk. Remember the man with the palsy? Yeah. He had power to forgive, so he was still under this law Remember, he was the word made flesh that dwelt among us. He had the power to forgive. He had the power to condemn. He had the power to heal and to deliver. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. We had not entered grace dispensation yet. Too many people say, well, see, all he had to do is believe. He was saved. That's right. He was under the law. He was under the law. That blood that was being shed had not yet said it is finished because when that word came from his mouth, it is finished. The law was severed. The temple veil was torn in two, signifying the old way is done away with. Now there's a new covenant, a better covenant, and it's by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed and covered the mercy seat. So yes, that thief, found forgiveness. He's not willing that any should perish. We know that, don't we? We know he doesn't want anyone to perish. But we're talking about the dangers of the thief. The thief. Jesus gave us, however, a much greater warning about this matter. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 6, I'd like to read verse number 19. And I'd like to go down and read verse 24, and I want to take just a few moments here because this is very important. Jesus gives a much greater warning in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. He said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. He says, Why? Where moth and rust doth corrupt. Just recently, I pulled down a bicycle that hung in our garage for, I want to say, almost uh, close to 20 years anyway. It just hung there. And I thought, well, I wonder how much work's going to have to be done on this thing. Brother Wilson tires wasn't even dry rotted. They wouldn't crack one bit, put air in them, just like there was when it was hung up there. I couldn't believe it. But what I did notice was that pretty chrome had pits all over it. There was a rust pits were all over it. And I thought, well, that doesn't look very good. What can we do? We got out the wire wheel, put it in that drill, and begin to do a little work on it. Before you know it, it was shining like it was the day new. But when it comes to 
some things, when rust takes over, it's done. Some things, when the moth gets into it and eats that most precious thing, that cloth of some type of a couch or a chair that has memory, it's gone. It's eight holes in it. And worst of all, the things that will withstand the moth and the rust that the thief has his opportunity to get in, just like those tombs of the kings, he'll take it. He'll steal it. He'll sell it for a little nothing to satisfy his own whims. Jesus warns us here. He said, where the moth doth and rust doth corrupt, and the thieves break through and steal. He said, verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What are the treasures in heaven, Brother Reigns? Those treasures in heaven are going to be the times you and I have done something for the kingdom and glory of God. And to God, those are treasures. He said, don't be storing up stuff that thieves can steal. Don't be storing up things a moth and a rust can take over, but start storing up things in heaven. The treasures in heaven. The Lord is telling us, church, we need to store up things a thief can't get a hold of. We need to store up things that are going to have eternal rewards. Those are the things that should be our focus. The things that are going to last. Not the things that are going to perish. Too often we focus upon perishable things. We put so much into things that are going to perish. That old 1969 GTO. You go to restore it. You get it restored. Get it out there and take it out on a bright sunny day, drive it, and some young kid that just got their license blows through that stop sign and plows it. And all that work and all that time and all that money and it's done. What's the importance of things in comparison to the things of heaven and of God? The things that cannot be destroyed, the things that cannot perish, these, church, are the things we must focus. He said, where that moth and that rust can't corrupt, where the thieves do not break through and steal, they're not going to be up there. <laughs> Verse 21, Jesus points out to us for where your treasure is. Where is your treasure today? Where are your treasures today? For where your treasure is there, will your heart be also? It'll show. Verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single... Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Oh God, help us today. Let our focus be on the things of the heavenly and not of the earthly. Let our focuses be upon those things that are going to have eternal rewards not on something that some man can steal and sell or destroy. I believe in verse 24, the Lord sums it by saying, no man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. Now we're getting to the point I want to focus upon today. 
beware the thief. This is the most dangerous of all thieves. What we're getting ready to talk about right here. Let no man, hey, hey, listen. No man can serve two masters, so therefore either he will hate one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, the riches of this world. You cannot serve both. You must choose. I must choose. We must choose. The most dangerous thief of all is a thief of prosperity. The thief that comes in that gets you to get your mind and eyes on all the things of the world. Man, they've got that brand new side by side and oh, I would love to have one just like that one. No, I want to get the newest one. Theirs is the old model. I'm going to up them. We get a mindset within us. We begin to get a covenant mindset. We see what others have. We not only want what they want and what they got, we want even better. I'm not saying it's wrong to have nice things, church. I'm not saying it's wrong to be able to do things. I'm not saying that at all. But when our focus gets so carnal, our focus gets so lopsided, that all we can see is the newest car, the newest truck, the newest home, the newest this, the newest that, and we're forgetting what God saved us to do. We're forgetting about what God done for us. He brought us from darkness. He drew us from darkness into his marvelous light. He set our feet on that street that is straight. He set us in a place, a heavenly place, in his presence where the true treasures are where the true riches are. Too many people feel like church is an accessory. Too many people feel today the house of God is just in a convenient place to go when I feel like it. Too many people today feel like that reading the word of God is if I have nothing better else to do, I'll read my Bible, maybe. Wow, we live in such a time that the hearts and the minds of men and women are so caught up with the world that everything else is more important. Excuses are made why one does not come to the house of God. Excuses are made why one does not pray. Excuses are made by why one does not even read the word of God. And the next step, excuses are made why you cannot be a worker for the kingdom of God. My friend, there's going to be a great rude awakening one day when people come to realize that they buried their talent and God's going to require them. Thou slothful servant. His word will declare to us, where have we laid up our treasures? Where have we placed all of our efforts? Where has our heart been? There's one that wants to steal from you. There's one who wants to rob from you. There's one who wants to take from you the spiritual things that can truly build you and those around you. He is the thief of all thieves. He is the liar of all liars. He is the most deceptive of all deceivers. 
Old Slewfoot will do whatever he can to deceive. He will do all he can to cause you to get off track. My thoughts go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15. Jesus said these words, and we've got to be careful because this is the other half. Beware of false prophets which come in what? Sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. There are those spreading false doctrines. You don't have to go to church to be saved. You can sit in your home and just watch it on TV. You don't have to pray all the time. If you'll just acknowledge him in your thoughts, that's good enough. Oh, really? You No, no, no. Who's told you that you, you, you don't have to do things for the church? You, you don't need to do that. There's always someone else to do that. There's someone that can do it better than you anyway. There's always going to be that thief that's going to put thoughts in your mind that calls you to not do what God has put in your heart to do. Oh, God, help us today. There's one out there that is trying his best to steal from you and from me. He's trying to keep you from doing the will of God. He is trying to keep you from doing the work of God. I conclude in Revelation 3.11, this last verse I want to share today. The greatest of all thieves, Revelation 3.11, the Lord said, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man, that no man, Take thy crown. Beware of the thief. Beware of the thief. He wants to steal your crown. He wants to stop you from doing anything for God. He'll make you think what you and I have done yesterday is good enough, won't he, Brother Willis? He'll say, Brother Willis, you don't need to do that broadcast no more. You've done so many in the past, and God knows your, your, your heart and, and all you've done. You, you can stop right here and you'll be all right. But no, Brother Wilson got in his heart, as long as I'm here until the Lord takes me, I'm going to teach and I'm going to minister the Word of God. That broadcast is going to go forward. But Saint will do his best to take from you. He'll do his best to cause you to give up. He'll do his best to cause you to turn around. He'll say, you've done enough already. You don't need to do any more. I want you to slam the door on Slewfoot. I want you to slam the door on that whole devil. I want you to let him know, hey, as long as there's breath in my body, as long as there's strength in me, I am going to praise my God. I am going to work for the kingdom of God, and I'm going to do what he has called me to do. You remember the words of our Lord and Savior, pray that the Lord of the harvest, remember what he said, pray for labors. Pray for labors. Pray for workers. Why? Because the fields are ripe. Oh, there are souls on their way to a devil's hell unless you and I, who are laborers, are willing to reach them. God needs us to be laborers. God needs us to be workers. God is counting on us. And if we're going to be saved, 
we must be doing something for the kingdom of God. There's no way around it. Yes, I know we're saved by grace and not of works. So no man can boast. I know that. I know what the word says. But I also know by your fruit. I also know that through the word of God, talents were given and talents were required. We cannot take one verse and exclude everything else. We've got to put them together and see there's a full picture here. Don't let the thief steal from you today, church. Beware. Beware of the thief. I was thinking that song we sing as Sister Pam would come this morning. Above all else, I must be saved. Above all else, I must be saved. Many times I've sung this song and the words have brought conviction to me. When it gets to the point, Lord, whatever you have to do to me, just don't let me be lost for eternity. We're talking eternity today, church. We're talking about an eternal place where we're all going to spend forever and ever. There's only one of two places that we can go. That is a city called heaven or a lake of fire called hell. Choices and decisions are made by men and women each and every day. Excuses are made by men and women every day. I'm, I'm going to do my best to throw the excuses out the window. I cannot base my walk with God on your walk with God, nor can you on mine. But God is going to judge each and every one of us accordingly to what he's given us talents and abilities to do. And by them, we shall be judged. I just want to be saved, church. I just want to be saved. Can we sing this to the Lord today?